Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Jinxie, it's only a couple of weeks until our live show. Oh, my God. It's really coming up. It's creeping up. Uh, the highlight of Q1. <laughs> Very direct reminder, if you haven't bought your tickets yet, now's the friggin' time, baby. It is uh, for See Also Alfresco. It's our live podcast. It's happening at the Malt House Outdoor Stage at the Malt House Theatre. Tickets are on sale. It's happening Saturday, 3rd of February, 2024. Starts 8 p.m., doors at 7, get there early, grab some drinks. We have a code for listeners so you get cheaper tickets, and that is see also Alfresco, one word, lowercase. It'll be, we'll put it in the show notes, we'll put it everywhere. All the info's in the show notes. And yeah, when you come along, you'll see not just Kate and I, but also Courtney Barnett, ever heard of her, Grammy nominated Australian artist, and Stella Mosgawa, iconic, supported Romy. If you were listening on last week's episode, Jinxie wore a button up to the club, a member of the band Warpaint. We love, we're obsessed. <laughs> we love. And also, they will have just done a completely sold out show the night before at the Recital Center. So it will be, if you missed out on tickets to that, come along to this. You still get to see them. It's a little encore performance, but with talking and not music. Exactly. Exactly, and you want the banter. We want the banter. That's what everyone goes to a Courtney Barnett show for. No music, just talking. Just the chats. I can't wait. It's going to be super fun. I loved our live show at the Wheeler Centre late last year, so it will be really fun. Me too. Uh, we're taking guesses of what signature cocktail I will force everyone to drink this time. See you there. Yeah, see you there. It's see also time. What's up, Jinxie? Hey, Biel. It is see also time. It's been a long week without you. <laughs> I 
I was about to open the pot and be like, hey, diva. Slay, diva. I've been consuming too much, Um, I guess, gay men reacting to, like, award shows. <laughs> <laughs> and reunion episodes. Oh, yeah. My people. It's my culture. You it know? is your culture. <laughs> what have you been up to? Uh, not a whole lot. I wa- Oh, my God. I watched Nyad. Oh, Yeah. Thank you for the recommendation. I see what you mean about how the directing choices are. They were choices. They were. There are some flourishes in there. Oh, the like dream sequence or the memory, sorry, memory sequences. But Mm. I do. Okay. So I think you kind of prepared me for, you know, wind burn, sea burn (laughs) on Annette Benning's face. What you did not prepare me for, Kate, was the octopus mask. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there is that. Yeah, there is that. And that the, <laughs> the length of the shot that holds on Annette Benning as she's about to finally, spoiler alert, swim from Cuba to Florida. And she's wearing like a glow in the dark Halloween costume mask to prevent an octopus <laughs> from once again thwarting her dream. Um, it holds on it for so long. And because you can't see any of her face or expression or eyes through it. It was like, there is no world in which this like Mr. Bean coming out of the forest. (laughs) Hi, I come in peace. Look like there's no world in which could be taken seriously. No. And I mean, it does look like she has had some pretty severe burns or something like that's the, that's the aesthetic of it. Oh yeah. But, um, yeah, no. I mean, what a what a woman, right? Did you did you do a Wikipedia situation afterwards? Yeah, but the first time when I go, because did you say that she married the Jodie Foster character yeah. afterwards? No, I said mm, I don't want to give too much. I want people to watch it before they look into uh, the real life ladies, the real life ladies, and uh, what the rest of the open swimming community actually thinks of Nyad. Well, there's a lot of allegedly's. Oh, there's a lot of allegedly in her Wikipedia. Yeah, there's like one guy who is absolutely committed to bring her down, okay. and he has been for like decades. This guy needs to get a life, but you know, yeah, I really did appreciate the like big silent woman driving the um the boat (laughs) (laughs) big deb or something they're like don't speak to her she does not speak yeah and who who's the who's the captain reese reese evans yes reese evans that's right (laughs) who is when they show the real life like what is he's the navigator when they show the real all he did was like look at pages that had like red arrows or blue arrows and I was like I don't know if this is good or bad (laughs) but when they show the real life guy who died right after she made that final trip um he looks identical to Reese Evans like perfect casting yeah because you kind of like Reese Evans all right doing American accent and then yeah sure enough looks like the guy perfect he loves those other lesbians just as much as we do we love them have you been swimming a little bit more have you been niadding Literally, I'm calling it niadding now. <laughs> I went swimming on Sunday. I watched niad on, I think, Friday night. And then I watched, I, I went swimming on Sunday and I thought about her the whole time. <laughs> I was like, I was about to get out of the pool at one point and I was like, I can do five more minutes. Diana did this so many yeah. times. Pretend you're swimming towards the Taj Mahal. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, swimming towards 
Key West to have some, I don't know, go to Margaritaville or something. Well, that's where, um, Key West is where the beach bum lives. Where Judy Bloom has her bookstore too. Because everything is the cultural capital. <laughs> Should we do a live pod from Key West? Oh, I would love to. <laughs> I would love. Um, what about you? What have you been up to? Well, I finally watched, we're both watching our streaming movies. I finally watched uh, Killers of the Flower Moon last night. Oh my God. Set aside that time. What did you think? Okay. So you're, you, you enjoyed it. I didn't hype it up too much. No, I really, look, I, I me, read- the only person <laughs> in the world who's been hyped up this movie. <laughs> this little movie by this wacky little director. I've never heard of him before. He, uh, no, I, I really liked it. Um, I still thinking a lot about it mm. and loved Lily Gladstone in it and really, yeah, I, I really want to watch uh, Kelly Reichardt's Certain Women again. Me too. Because I like her being the, like, love interest of Taste You yeah. more than I like her being the love interest of uh, Leo Pussy Posse DiCaprio. Yeah, there's a, it's much less complicated. <laughs> you don't want her near those teeth. No. Or that cut, that middle part. That chin. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, he was such a lily livered son of a bitch, wasn't he? He really was a coyote. A coyote. Uh, look, I highly recommend watching it. I said, I'm bummed I didn't see it at the cinema. I got to say, but. My tip for watching it at home is start early, start mm-hmm. really early. It does go for three and a half hours. Yeah. Put your phone on either in another room or notifications silenced because you are going to be tempted to look away yeah. and look at your phone yeah. in certain periods, not out of like discomfort, but there are long stretches where it feels like not much is happening and Mm -hmm. then it all adds up to something. Yeah, absolutely. How did you feel about the kind of third act men just appearing, all these like, not cameos, but like there's Jack White and like I completely forgot Jesse Plemons was in it until two and a half hours in. I loved Jesse Plemons in it. Brendan Fraser though. Didn't need. Did not need. He was really acting. He sure was. He was on his whale journey still. Yeah. Flapping his tail around. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but look, I, yeah, I, yeah. I mean, I don't need to recommend um, Scorsese films. So it's finally out on Apple TV. Is yeah, what I'm if you've got an yeah. Apple, you don't have to pay for it. Like it comes with your Apple TV mm-hmm. subscription. Um but yeah, I haven't been watching very much, BL. It's been, I've been reading mm-hmm. and I have been, I am subletting a desk of a friend's um, in a convent and that has been great. I just sort of started working from there yesterday. And it's, it's like a shared co-working kind of space, right? Or yeah. like a studio. Yeah, it's like a- Not st- just a church, if <laughs> any. <laughs> It's yeah. So it's a shared. There's like the room that I'm in is is shared, but I was in. I'm. I think I'm going to be in there in odd hours. So will I meet anyone else? Well, I don't know. Jury's out. But that was kind of great to have this space to myself mm. uh, yesterday all day. Um, beautiful day outside, and I could just mm. see the gardens. And um, our friend M came and met me. But it was great. I just had like time and space to actually like. I didn't get a huge amount of writing done or planning, but it was nice to be able to use my brain in a very different way. Mm, Because like, if I'm at home and my dog's there, 
I'm going to look at the dog. Like I'm going <laughs> to pat the dog. I'm going to make coffee and go and do some like check on my worms. Like I, I will do absolutely anything to distract myself. Mm. Yeah. That's the thing as I've gotten older, that has become so much more apparent is that when you, when you leave your house to go and work at a even a cafe or like somewhere else, a physical space. It's not just to get a change of scenery or something. It's like a new mental, uh, like what, like in a video game, like you've stepped into a different world and this is the world where you do the, th- the yeah. one thing, which <laughs> yeah. is work. Mm-hmm. Um, cause I'm the same. Like I have this extra bedroom that we podcast from in my apartment and, but like my kitchen's right there. My cat's right there. There's so much, there's always vacuuming to do, you know? Yeah. Yeah, totally. Uh, I always think about um, when I went to see Miranda July do a lecture at the Opera House many years ago, she was talking about how she, at the time she was with Mike Mills and she kept her original apartment in LA, but just for working from much like Carrie and anyway, like tar, <laughs> just like tar apartment for sale. But, uh, so she kept her old apartment and she would drive to it and then leave her phone in her car in the glove box and then just go and work from this apartment where she could not be disturbed. Mm. I love that. Mm. The dream, the dream, truly the dream. Yeah. Anyway, it's exciting to feel like I'm actually changing something. Yeah. To try to like, yeah, put the, put the structures in place to tick off that. How's your Q1 going so far? It's going okay. Like I, two weeks in. Two weeks into Q1. We're two weeks into We're halfway through the first third of the first Q. Yeah, it's going okay. I've started lifting. More on that later. Excuse you. I'm doing my swimming. I... I am not doing the riding stuff so much. I've been, I have been putting that off. Um, but I just, I told myself I would start with two, two days a week where I just sat down for like at least an hour, um, and got some riding done, but as yet no words, um, but it'll come question mark. Yeah. And I haven't, I haven't been able to do any of the budgeting stuff because no one's paying their fucking invoices. But once that happens, I can stop budgeting with it. If you're listening and you owe Brody Lancaster money for an invoice, <laughs> pay that bitch right now, please. Thank you. This is my automated zero chase is just you on the podcast. <laughs> I'll just clip that out and send people a little audio recording. Yeah, you should. Yeah. My dad used to have this particular... If I brought this up before, maybe... This I don't like, think so. He had a stamp, like a rubber stamp, and he would put it on um, invoices that hadn't been paid. And it was this like little thin businessman in a suit. And he was pulling out his pockets and looking really sad. <laughs> and there was a crying baby in like a bassinet <laughs> behind him. <laughs> And so, like, you would put that as many times as you needed on this invoice yeah. of being like, pay me. Mine is that, and it's a little um, fly coming out of a wallet, and it's got just my real estate agent hammering a fully sign in the front of my apartment if they don't pay me. <laughs> I love the fly coming out of the wallet. Yeah, I, that's what I picture with the man turning his pockets yeah, out. There's always a little gnat. It's very that. Yeah, yeah, it's very that. I have been doing the budgeting stuff. VL. Sure have. Oi. Uh, it's frightening when you add up all your streaming services. <laughs> yeah. It really makes a girl want to p- be a pirate, doesn't it? It really. You want to walk that plank, don't you? <laughs> you sure do. 
But look, I have done some things to try to like mitigate the issues there. I <laughs> That's so formal. <laughs> mitigate my financial issues. I changed my phone plan. Great. I threatened to pull my New York Times subscription and they I got $32 off a month a cl- on it. A classic move. I love to make that move every year. Yeah, I was inspired by you. Just here's my tip. Set an annual recurring calendar notification to say... I can't pay this. Yes. Tell the New York Times you will cancel if it's not cheaper. How was your weekend though, Jinxie? My weekend was fun. I had two 40ths in a row on Friday night and then a friend's birthday dinner on the Saturday night. And I went to all three. This is like shocking for me, BL, as you know. Mm -hmm. I went totally sober to all three of them. Uh I stayed sober at all of them. I'm not a sober person. I'm just like... Taking a bit of time off, you know. Miss little drink at the bar. Didn't have a drink. I know, exactly. It's embarrassing. But like, it was not embarrassing. (laughs) But it was actually fine. It was fine. I was like, I can't do this. I'm going to leave immediately. And And to be clear, you're not officially on a damp January. You're just (laughs) having a little rest. (laughs) Yeah, I'm just having, having a little rest. It's boring that... The effects of not drinking are so apparent so quickly. Oh my God. I hate it. Yeah. It's it's like when I first felt like good and productive after exercising and I was like, yeah. oh, fuck this. Like what everyone said is right. Like how fucking boring. Yes, completely. It's yeah. like I've had sleeping problems all my life. I've slept straight through the night all week. Oh, jinxie. My skin's a lot better. I'm less buffy. <laughs> like, it's just irritating. It's so annoying. Yeah. Um, but on the birthday dinner that I went to on the Saturday night, it was really sweet. It was a place that I'd wanted to go to in Collingwood for a little while. And it was really good. Mm-hmm. But we'd organized a birthday cake for our friend who uh-huh. was celebrating and which is like not really her vibe to do a public birthday cake. Sure. Which <laughs> makes it always a bit more fun. Always so much more fun. Yeah, absolutely. Anyway, so we did the cake thing and we sang to her. No other person in the whole restaurant either looked over <gasps> Or sang. Oh. And when we got to the hip hip hooray, they didn't even hooray. They didn't even hip. <laughs> they did neither hip nor hooray. <sighs> and no little clap at the end. That's hostile. That's actually hostile. Yeah, I was like, what is wrong with these that's people? A, that's violence. <laughs> right. Yeah. I went to French Saloon a few months ago. I talked about it on the podcast. And there was a table on the other side of the restaurant. It wasn't even a packed restaurant. And there was a birthday song. Me and my friend leaned over, took the opportunity to learn the birthday boy's name, and then looked him up on Instagram later because he was very mm. cute. But um, still. Still. You join in. Yeah, you fucking join in. Like, you don't have to join in, actually. You can, but you can, like, smile. You could clap. Whatever you want to do. Yeah. Anyway. I um, It was really weird. I think I saw a photo from this party that one of your friends posted on Instagram, I'm realizing now, and I immediately knew what the restaurant was. Yeah, I'm not going to mention it because I wasn't pleased with the service. I wouldn't be either. I'd be writing a Google review. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I'm not pleased with the service outside of the outside of the cake stuff. Really? Mm. 
It's a trendy new place too. It is a trendy new place. I know that. <laughs> Do with that information <laughs> what you will. We haven't had any prior discussions, but I know exactly what you're talking about. Anyway, uh, what else? Anything else from you, Miel? Mm. Oh, I played tennis. That was my other thing. Yeah, great. Because you said you were going to. Q1 goal, five tennis games. Fun. And so I broke it. You might remember. I broke it down into achievable steps. And one was research courts. Mm-hmm. Tried out Carlton Gardens for our first game. Delightful courts. Delightful little clubhouse. There's a shed. There's a barbecue. I want to. I kind of want to be a member so that I can be invited when they fire up the barbecue. <laughs> I don't know when that happens. Um, but yeah, I went with my friend Anton. We had a similar level of ability, which was good because we weren't, you know, dragging one another down. Tennis, like sh- shock horror. You got to run. Yeah, which yeah. I, which I forgot. <laughs> I had blocked that bit out um, mm-hmm. until the first time I had to run after a ball, and then I almost felt myself almost fall over face first onto the um, concrete uh, tennis court, and I immediately got scared. I immediately was like, I don't know if I can play tennis because the chance of falling over is. Hmm. real in the way that it isn't when I swim or do Pilates. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Well, yes. I mean, you could fall off one of those reformer machines. I never have touch wood. Um, but yeah, so Australian open season is on and I got a head start. Well done. Yeah. I'm like the Nick Kyrgios of Clifton Hill. Like cancelled? Mm, just like a loud mouth. <laughs> And good at tennis. <laughs> oh, okay, sure. Yep. You know, all the oh. ways that we're... And a full Pokemon back tattoo. <laughs> we're similar in a lot of ways. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, Biel, it's finally time to talk about the film that you have wanted to talk about for so long. Congratulations. Thanks, Mama. It's Priscilla time. <laughs> it's finally fucking Priscilla time. It's Scylla time. After months, Scylla is finally out <laughs> in Australian cinemas. Sofia Coppola's 10th feature, is it? Something like that. Wait, I'm going to double check. Eighth. One, two, three, four, five. Yeah, it's eight. Nine, nine. Okay. We don't really count on the rocks, but... uh, I still haven't seen it. Yeah, well, that's why. We'll get to to that later. (laughs) It's not canon. (laughs) Um, So, obviously, Sofia Coppola's new film, based on Priscilla Presley's book, Elvis and Me, all about her life with Dark King, my problematic... King Elvis Presley. Oh, I thought you meant your problematic King Jacob Elordi. I was like, he seems fine. He's good. He's not problematic. <laughs> He's reading 
Prima Facey Farchi Fashi uh, at the airport. He seems fine. Yeah, I bought that because he was buying it. I told you that, and it was yeah. a, it was not a good book, um, oh. not a good novelization. Anyway, the play's fantastic. Yeah, I've heard. You told me. You raved about it. His anyway. bags are fantastic. His fucking bags. Anyway, the film, the film. The film. Uh, so it kind of, the, the film is a portrait, I suppose, of Priscilla Presley um, from the time when she's Priscilla Bayou, 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 whose father is stationed in a German military base, which is famously where Elvis was also stationed after he was like too sexy for America. Um, for more on that, see Baz Luhrmann's film from last year. Um, <laughs> he's what? He's, that boy is what? The snowman. Um, <laughs> the film opens. She's 14 in a diner and an adult man is like, hey, little lady, you like Elvis? Come to his house. Um, and that's just the start of mm. a couple of hours of just watching a really young woman be really, uh, I'm not going to say manipulated, but kind of treated in such a specifically uncomfortable way uh, by a very famous, very charismatic very powerful, very wealthy man and all the things that she has to do to kind of bend to his uh, will and keep him happy until she leaves. Spoiler. <laughs> until until she's no longer with Elvis, as per the title, Elvis and me, <laughs> until it's just me. Uh, yeah, it's... I think it is the singularly most, I haven't seen On the Rocks, uh, uncomfortable film of that she has made. Mm. I have, I mean, you know, she, I mean, we'll, we'll talk a bit more about her filmography later, but in the episode, we're going to be talking about her book as well. But, you know, she sort of deconstructs girlhood and like feminine identities within her films, but often there is kind of more a level of agency for them. Whereas with this, you're like, Priscilla thinks she has agency. Like she can see her as that teen girl, like 14. And she's just completely under the thrall of this older man who is so famous, so handsome. Like he, uh, you can see that you you know, like when her parents are trying to stop the relationship mm. in this kind of piss poor kind of way, because I know how that's going to go. Yeah. But um, it's like when parents are like, well, I'd rather have them have sex under the roof than I'd rather have else. them drink here. Yeah, yeah. totally. Um, but she clearly thinks that she is so special to have been picked out by this person that she kind of can exist outside of the usual social laws. Mm. I know that feeling. I mm-hmm. think a lot of women in particular have that feeling of kind of meeting someone a bit older or outside of your bubble. And like when you're much younger mm. and then going, oh, well, yeah, normally, like if it was on paper, I would disagree with this. But however, because it's happening to me, I it's really actually exciting understand. And, and yeah. Yeah. And I thought that that was done really beautifully. Mm. Yeah, because obviously even when he's a soldier and has all these rules to follow, rules still don't apply to him. Mm. And there's there is a lot to be made of the fact that he was I think 10 years older than her, 
14 at a party at his house with all adults when they first meet. Um, and then she's 16 when he moves her over to Graceland. There's a lot to be made of the fact, or people put a lot of emphasis on the fact that he was so like emotionally young, you know, his mother's just died and he really liked this sense of home that she brought into his world and all of this. But at the same time, there was this bit of trivia where, you know, when Priscilla first went to this party where she first met him, she was in a little sailor dress. And Sophia originally wanted Kaylee Spaney, who plays Priscilla brilliantly, to be wearing that. But the visual of her in the sailor dress just looked way too predatory Mm. when she was on screen surrounded by all these adults and Jacob Elordi, who's like, 10 feet tall and so it almost is like oh that reality is a little too a little too touchy for us the interiority of this film is so interesting because Sofia Coppola is a master of it you know like the the Lisbon girls bedrooms and even Marie Antoinette you know like the way that she took this kind of like figure and symbol and turned her into a girl and like what a girl would experience in that situation what a girl wants, what a girl needs. <sighs> to be beheaded. Um, she, but, you know, like the, the interiority of Priscilla is kind of tricky because all those other characters have something to kind of bounce off or respond to. Whereas for so much of this movie, Priscilla either has all stimuli, like she's in Vegas or they're doing drugs or they're partying and there's fireworks going off and there's gun, guns being shot in the backyard of Graceland or there's nothing. There's a complete absence of anything for her to react to or respond to, except her dog, which I know we'll get to. Um, <laughs> but you're almost left, the The movie kind of reinforces the idea that like, oh, there's nothing going on with this chick until her man comes home, because that's when it's like batteries are put in back in her back. You know, she's like a little bunny comes to life. And when he leaves again, she has to power down and there's kind of nothing in the world left for her, which is like a really it, it left. I think I saw you the night after I saw this film and I was still grappling with that feeling that the film left me with, which is that, I really want to come out of this film going, it's so great to spend all this time with this this female character who's so often, you know, only thought of in the context of this very powerful man and she has her own story to tell as well. But the story that's being told here is only her in the context of that man through the very beautiful lens of Sofia Coppola. But mm. still, um, I don't feel like I came away knowing any more about Priscilla than perhaps I did going into it. Yeah, for me, I think I knew a lot less about Priscilla than you, obviously, as Elvis fan. But uh, like, I didn't, I didn't know that they met on a base in Germany. Mm. I didn't know any of that mm. stuff. I didn't know that she left her parents in Germany to go and live at Graceland. Like all of Mm. that was actually new to me. Mm. So I got that out of it, I suppose, but I know what you mean. It's like, I I also want to be able to say, I loved this film like unequivocally, like how I have left many of her films, but I, I kind of can't with this. Like I'm still thinking about it. Mm. Um, I really loved it sort of washing over me. I did like the discomfort that it provides Mm -hmm. and yeah, I've, I, I mean, I write in my notes that I probably won't see it again. And now I'm talking about it. I'm like, I got to see this movie again. Yeah. Like, I really would like to. I think I want to see it again where I have seen it already and 
I'm not kind of waiting, like I'm not going like, oh, everything that I expect is is it like from the new Sofia Coppola mm. film. We haven't had one in mm. ages. Like, is it going to be in this one? And now that I've seen it, now I can just go and take it for what it is, mm. I think, like leave the hype of that's true Sophia behind. Um, but, yeah, I, 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 I did struggle with but also loved the, yeah, the interiority of it, that we are getting this kind of jewel box of Priscilla's world. And you're so right that she kind of powers down as soon as Elvis is out. And occasionally she tries to build her own little world, like you mm. see her... Um, trying to talk to the women that are employed by, you know, Elvis or mm-hmm. Elvis's dad. And Elvis's dad is, you know, like bans her from speaking to them. From coming into his office. Yeah. yeah. And you see her at one point, she's like, oh, I've been offered a job in a bo- like a little boutique. And Elvis is like, you cannot take that. Forget about it because... You need to be at home in case I want to call you at any time when I am on the road. Like yeah. that is it's a really it's quite a horrifying relationship. Like there is just no power there no. at all for her. And yeah. it's like she lives at Graceland, her home is Graceland. She is supposed to provide this kind of homeliness for him because like he's lost his mom, etc. and that's why he's brought her over, mm. maybe, uh, allegedly. But um it's so not her home. Mm. Like it's just not she's never comfortable. She knows she could be kind of kicked out of it at any point. And like Elvis does try to kick her out when she's preg. Yeah. And that's that's kind of an incredible moment in the film too, because by that point she when she preg, as you said, she has I don't know why I said it like that. I'm I liked so sorry. It. I liked it. <laughs> When she look, we're all just reveling in the discomfort today. <laughs> you, me, Priscilla, preg, but she, you know, she's she preg, and she, Elvis basically says like, I think you should leave. I think, you know, you shouldn't be here anymore, and I think you should leave. And by this point, she's been so agreeable for so long. She's been agreeable to him when he ships her overseas, and then leaves her alone he's she's been agreeable when he is clearly fucking around on her with like his co-stars with nancy sinatra with Anne margaret shout out Anne margaret um <laughs> great off-screen character in this film but and when she comes home and she just believes everything he tells her you know she can't be friend the memphis mafia who are his like the br- boys his, the boys the gang you know she they all have their women and they all comment on how young priscilla is and she can't infiltrate them she can't be friends with them because elvis keeps her around when it's just the boys and so she's witness to all of the men fucking around on their girlfriends so then she can't have a relationship with them you know she's so agreeable to him and by the time that she preg with lisa marie and he says i think you should leave she's like you know what you're right and she walks out and she's kind of figured out the game by that point in a really devastating way. And he's like, no, take me back, baby. Uh, I don't mean it, you know. And he, sorry, it just, it just comes over me. Um, but, you know, it's you're right. The dis- discomfort is the word. And I think I need to maybe I just need to give Sophia a little more credit because discomfort is the point you know yeah discomfort is the point there was there was nothing soothing about this relationship there was nothing normal about this relationship and the film doesn't try to make out like there was even though these two have been kind of held up as this kind of like iconic pop culture symbol the the truth of what happened 
behind closed doors and behind the gates of Graceland was really dark. The film captured so well also something Sophia is so good at, which is female horniness. <laughs> yeah. You know, the first time he takes her to see a movie when they're still in Germany and she's like just kind of glancing sideways at him and her whole body's like, oh my God, touch my boob or something, you know, like she's just, but it's so still and it's so yeah. small and her performance is so just on her face. And then the whole time she's at Graceland, you know, she tries to lay down. He's like, go up to my room and I'll come and meet you. And she's like, finally, he's going to like finger me. But he doesn't. He doesn't want, he doesn't want to do anything until they're married. And then after they get married, still doesn't want to like touch her barely. They have this like acid trippy, like run, like long montage. You assume fuck fest where there's just so brilliantly executed by Sophia, a montage of just like trays of food being placed at the door day mm. after day after day and they're taking these polaroids of one another he ha- he apparently had this like real fetish for like schoolgirl like virginity for sure like what a cliche elvis i know white Jesus. underwear very virginal very catholic um and then finally she's pregnant god knows how and he had a thing about having sex with a woman who's had a baby and like that was like a big block for him so it's like this like symbol of virility who's on stage you know like we barely see a lordy perform also which i find very interesting Mm. um a real contrast to austin but you know he's this symbol of like manliness and hunkiness and kissing women on stage in vegas and they all want to be priscilla meanwhile she's there and she's fucking like so horny she's gonna explode yeah and Kaylee Spaney is so good at playing this like shy electrified teen girl and she's also great at playing this kind of jilted woman Mm. she does such a good job inhabiting both of those roles Mm. but that brings us to a lordy Mm -hmm. I know you loved Austin Butler's performance in a certain Elvis movie. Elvis Brackets 2022. 22? By Baz Luhrmann, written yeah. by Baz and, yeah, probably starring Baz Luhrmann in prosthetics somewhere. But uh, what did you think of Elordi's Elvis? Because it's a very different Elvis. It's very different. I was suspicious of it, I'll be honest, because... He I th- didn't do the voice training that... <laughs> He's not still doing the voice. (laughs) Um, P.S. There's a new Austin Butler project coming out before June. It's got Barry Keoghan in it as well. It's like military school or something. I don't know. He's still doing the voice. Oh, no, really? Anyway, um, I was kind of skeptical of Elordi because he's a so... Physically, I don't see him in Elvis or see Elvis in him, but he was really good he he did slip into brisbane a couple of times like (laughs) the word tour going on tour if you're american it's tour if you're australian it's tour if you're from brisbane it's tour but if you're elvis it's tour like he couldn't he couldn't figure that out how would he say how would elvis say tar like lydia yeah (laughs) you do it tar Tar. Tar. Lydia Tar. <laughs> Lydia Tar. Lydia's a weird word for it in Lydia. a southern accent. No, Lydia. Lydia Tar. Lydia. Lydia. Oh, it, yeah, that's, that's good. It actually. might be Lydia. Lydia Tar. Wow. <laughs> we need to do an I'm Not There style 
Elvis, but they're all just talking about different Kate Blanchett performances, including her and I'm Not There. If you have an, some accent work that you'd like us to do, send it in. Send it in. We take requests. We're like a jukebox. Um, I loved his Elvis. I loved that it was... Okay, so... This is influenced by a recent interview Alordi gave in the Actors on Actors, him and Coleman Domingo. Um, Alordi was talking about how his he tries to get at like the little boy at the like center of all of his characters. So, like Nate from Euphoria isn't this like bully, psychopathic kind of murderer. He's the guy at home whose dad is like holding him him at arms like arms like his whole life, right? And so Elvis was you know, he channeled the the little boy lost who was kind of like taken away from, you know, kicked out of the nest too young, et cetera, et cetera. And apparently he broke down late in filming and just started crying on set and saying, what did they do to him? What did they all do to him? What have they done to my boy? Literally, what have they done to my boy? Um, he also apparently Sofia Coppola's number one rule on a set is unspoken, but it is for no corniness. Mm-hmm. And all Jacob Elordi was terrified of was being corny. <laughs> and so he's fighting against it for the two hour runtime of this film. Anyway, all that is to say, I thought he was great. I think the choice to make him just a person on the phone, in the house, on TV, in magazines, and like very rarely performing, singing, dancing was like a really smart one. And this film started production after Baz Luhrmann's Elvis had already come out. Mm. So... No snowman. No snowman. And I have to assume that was a real choice. They were like, we don't need any more Colonel. Yeah, and thank God. Because I'm sure he was there. I mean, like, Priscilla started taking those drugs. They, they were, like, filling Elvis with pretty early. Oh, so early. In this film, it is quite eye-opening how mm. Priscilla is just being fed these drugs by Elvis and of course she's not going to say no and then you well, know, she's got to go to school the next day she's got to go to school and but then also it's like he gives her the other drugs to, like he's like kind of I don't know he's like this druggy gatekeeper with her it's yeah. I don't know I I could I, I saw a lot in that yeah oh totally um Okay, some things that I loved were um, her graduation. Like, all the stuff of her at school I really enjoyed. And that's also another real sadness is that she couldn't have any friends. She couldn't invite people over. Um, But she graduates and then comes out. And the nuns at her school are all taking photos with Elvis and the Memphis (laughs) Mafia, which was, like, my favourite image in the entire film. Um, He also got her pistols to match every one of her outfits. And, like, loved. we don't love guns, but, like, that's very chic. It is chic. I don't support it, but chic. <laughs> don't use them. Just have them. Um, he's, I mean, a lordy is one of my favorite parts of the film. I loved that acid montage as kind of like creepy as the Polaroids are. And by the way, Sofia Coppola has published a lot of those Polaroids that Kaylee Svanian and Jacob Elordi took of one another in her book, which is worth the $150 cost alone. (laughs) (laughs) What about you, Jinxie? What else did you like about this film? I really thought, like, as per with her films, the costuming was brilliant. Like, I thought it was great. It was, it moved beyond the just getting like an authentic match for photos. And like, of course there are, like, there are lots of photos available online of like, here she is wearing the exact purple shirt that the real Priscilla wore, you know. Um, but I, it goes so much beyond that because I felt like 
And this could be, like, I could be reaching, but it felt like everything was just, like, a bit bigger and a bit more puffy uh, Mm. on Kaylee than it was on the real Priscilla. Like, she was always this sort of doll, essentially, and she was all this, like, she was a girl playing a Mm grown-up, and I felt like everything was just a little bit big. Her shoes were a bit too big. The Mm. collars were a bit too, like, she, like, everything shrank her a little bit, and I felt like potentially deliberate there um and i always like with the music in marie antoinette um the anachronistic kind of music flourishes in this i thought worked so well because a lot of the music is of the time period Mm -hmm. um and one of my c also's and probably yours too is the uh playlist that phoenix put together for sophia to like get in the mood when yeah. she was, you know, working on the film. And quite a lot of those songs actually made it into the – and I'd been listening to that playlist for months and months and months. Yeah. And then, like, when Crimson and Clover or whatever comes in, you're like, hey, yeah. made it. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, there are these kind of, like, electronic – like, there's a Dan Deacon song in there and it just sort of puts this – contemporary spin on everything and you're like it kind of bursts your bubble of like watching like a period piece like suddenly kind Mm. of watching it with you know fresh modern eyes and Mm. like what's how Sophia is making the film I thought Mm. yeah yeah love that yeah I love that playlist and you know all of the Sophia being able to click the link onto Sophia Coppola's (laughs) Spotify profile what a fucking treat we love that oh and I loved her dog honey okay you you've got ten minutes. You you knew a tight ten <laughs> on honey. Yeah. No, I just I I just had no idea that yeah. she had this poodle named Honey, and I I just I felt for Honey. I I thought the Honey's a, a beautiful a beautiful thing and a great name for a dog. It reminded me of when uh, Carol Radswell just called all of her animals baby baby. Made yeah. me want to call every animal Honey. Yeah, she's such a little Honey. It's so sad. Like when. Priscilla comes home from school because she's still in high school and she's playing with her little puppy on the lawn of Graceland. We say Graceland. They say Graceland. Graceland. Um, And she's like chastised for it and told to come inside because there are fans at the gate and she's showing off to them. It's like so grim. She can't she can't have any kind of life. She's just playing with that puppy. She's a little paper doll in their like Graceland diorama. Mm, she is. This is the moment where I do mention again, in case you didn't listen to our Elvis episode when that film came out. Um, I have been to Graceland and it is an incredible place. And the office where Priscilla is told she's not allowed to go into because the women are working. Um, you can stand at the door and like they've the recreation is like phenomenal and all of the fan art, like people have they've it's like a shrine to the fan mail that Elvis used to get, which is really just unreal. And it's still their family home. Like Priscilla, R.I.P. to Lisa Marie. It's like Priscilla and Riley and Riley's sisters are like the last remaining Presleys. And on like family holidays, like at Christmas and Thanksgiving, Graceland is shut to visitors because it is still the house that they go to and they eat dinners at and they sleep in the bedrooms. Like it's this really strange, like living museum. It's very, it's filled with a lot of like energy, that place. Wild. Yeah, it's Wild. Do you have any other see alsos for Priscilla? Okay, the first one is nothing we can all watch just yet unless you're in America and you can access the A24 app. Sophia Coppola invited a 17-year-old film student called Liv McNeil on set and she made a making of uh, Priscilla and she kind of narrates it and speaks about how, like, 
I'm 17 and Priscilla was just a teenager. And isn't that crazy? And, she, you know, she documents the making of the film. Someone had ripped it and uploaded it to yeah, YouTube. Yeah, I've seen it. A24 found it and took uh, it down. Okay. Yeah. But I will be keeping an eye out. I do have a Google alert. But um, there are really funny moments where Sophia Coppola and Thomas Mars's iconic viral child, Romy Mars, <laughs> at one point is like just trying to get a photo with Jacob Elordi. I love that. <laughs> love. And Sophia at one point is like, oh, can you take a, f-? like has her, you know, cool contacts T2 camera and is taking a photo of them. And then Romy's like, can you take a photo of me and Jacob on my phone? And Sophia's like, No. That's not what this is, girl. And I was like, <laughs> fuck the high highs and low lows of being. I wonder if that's what Frances Ford did to her on set sometime. I mean, the, the her mom documenting all those yes. film shoots on, on, you know, film. Yeah. She, she wouldn't have had any photos with Brando. <laughs> Well, she probably does. <laughs> I, I saw this in your also also as well, Jinxie, Rax King's piece, oh. um, When I Call I Need to Know You'll Be Home. That's oh, great. It's so good. I wasn't familiar with Rex King, but now I will be following and reading. There was like just on what I said before about like the horniness of this character. The the piece opens with this quote that says Sophia Coppola's girls want but do not get. Her films are the muffled scream agony of young romantic women trying really hard to want less. Oh, yeah. Mm. Fuck me. It's a really, really well-written piece. It's so good. There's a really great piece on Vulture talking to Stacey Batat, Batat, who this is her sixth – she's a costume designer. It's the sixth film she's made with Sofia Coppola. And she talks about kind of Priscilla's move to pants <laughs> and going to L.A. and doing a little karate and raising Lisa Marie essentially by herself. And when she tells Elvis that she's leaving him, there's just this really, it's, it made the headline of the piece. She says goodbye in pants, which is like <laughs> such a moment. Um, goodbye to all that in good, pants. Goodbye to all that in pants. Sophia Kovler did an interview with uh, one of our favorite directors of the last year, Celine Song, on the DGA Director's Cut podcast, which is really fun. Um what are yours, Jinxie? I have a couple more, but no, you that's okay. I only had the Spotify playlist and um the Rax King piece. Okay. So the um I knew you'd go long. <laughs> the official vulture review I thought was really great. Alison Wilmore reviewed the film and spoke about how Sophia Coppola's films are about privilege without power. You know, a lot of people speak to like the whiteness and the heterosexuality of Sophia Coppola's films. And I think that's an important distinction to make that there is no, there is very little power or agency, as you said, Jinxie, executed by these women. She makes movies about women who are picked, ones who've been raised expecting to be treasured for their status, beauty, delicacy, youth, and their near uniform whiteness is certainly entwined with all this and uh, women who've been affirmed in those beliefs until they aren't, which is like oof, so good. Okay. Before we wrap on the film, I have two fun bits of trivia, actually three fun bits of trivia. Personal Jesus by Depeche Mode was inspired by Elvis and me. What? Apparently. <laughs> I mean, thanks Priscilla. Sure. Great song. Okay. Are you aware of the woman who connects Austin Butler and Jacob Elordi. <laughs> no. Okay. So Jacob- Is it the owner of the River Cafe? 
I wish Jacob Elordi <laughs> went on the River Cafe podcast. Can you imagine? Um, okay, so Jacob Elordi used to date Kaya Gerber. Kaya Gerber, supermodel daughter of Cindy Crawford and Randy Gerber, tequila mogul, I guess. They used to date. This was like Jacob Elordi's, one of his few public, like, this is my girlfriend women. They're no longer together. She's now engaged to, guess who? Butler. Austin Butler. Well, well. Guess what she and Jacob Elordi went to Halloween as a few years ago when they were dating? Well, I think it was Scylla and Elvis, right? Little mama. That's right. Isn't that crazy? That is crazy. Okay. One more psycho celeb, Elvis and Priscilla. Give it. Okay. So we all know Elvis and Priscilla got divorced, right? Spoiler alert. They weren't together when he died. Guess who Elvis dated after divorcing Priscilla? G- give me a ballpark. Okay, her name's Linda Thompson. She <laughs> okay. She's the mother of Brody and Brandon Jenner. Oh, my God. When she was married to Caitlyn Jenner. Yeah. Father of Kylie and Kendall. They were together. She was with Elvis. They remained friends until he died. Also, after the Elvis Priscilla divorce, Robert Kardashian dated guess who? Oh my God, Priscilla, Priscilla. Presley! Isn't that fucking crazy? That's a wild. Yeah. Anyway, this is what stays in my brain, and so many things just seep out at night when I'm sleeping, <laughs> but I can't forget the important stuff. <laughs> no, it's all in there, and I'm glad for it. Yeah, me too. It makes me special. Okay, a perfectly timed release uh, for the Priscilla film is the Sofia Coppola Archive, this giant, giant uh, coffee table book published by Mac Books in the UK that kind of finally, for the first time, puts together all of Sofia's ephemera, photos, notes, emails, and also some interviews with Lynn Hirschberg about all of her features. And Jinxie, you and I both got our hands on a copy late last year. Sure did. Yeah, I got mine in the States because I knew it wasn't coming out, like many films, uh, for so long in Australia. <laughs> so I lugged it back from New York with me. And um, Damn, she needs her own uh, suitcase almost. She really, yeah, she a bit, she's a big, she's a big gal. She, yeah. she a big girl, I relatable. I love my curvy wife, the Sophia Coppola Archive 1999 to 2023. <laughs> <laughs> I love my three-dimensional rectangle wife. I mean, it's, look, it's great. What can we say? It's, I mean, we've got notes, but it, it's great. It's so great. Okay, some of my favorite parts in it. I love the interview at the start with Lynn. And obviously, it's really fun to go behind the scenes. But some of the best things that Sophia has kept are emails. Yes. Specifically between her and Jeffrey Eugenides. Yes. Who's such a little bitch. Best best spread of the book, I think. Best spread of the book. And then a few pages later present day where she's basically like can I have your permission to I also love screenshots from Sofia Coppola's Gmail imagine the chicest woman on earth who's just like so innately sophisticated and cool eternally using Gmail yeah <laughs> she has it's pre- like her using Spotify like really I know she shouldn't use a computer 
She's like Grace Coddington, you know, they should be printed out and read to her. Or maybe that's Anna Wintour. Anyway, but she, you know, a few pages later, she she also includes the email where he basically rereads their old correspondence to give permission for it to be in this book. And it's like, God, I had such a stick up my ass. He's like, I'm sorry. I used to be such a whiny little bitch, basically. It's, it's so funny. He was so, so precious, obviously, about his book because um, Sophia read the Virgin Suicides and famously it was basically like, I know how to, I know how to tell this story and other directors don't understand these girls the way that I do. And there are some really amazing grabs of notes from Jeffrey in those early emails where he's underlined things like, remember the girls aren't real. Yeah, they do not exist. They do not ex- That's it. They do not exist. Yeah. Yeah. And also she was given the book by Thurston Moore to read. So, I mean, the connections are strong. <sighs> Yeah, she's with Sophia. She doesn't even have to try, does she? But I don't begrudge her. Me neither. And she does try. That's the thing. There is a lot of effort in all of this. Like the references, the references to Heath Ledger in the Somewhere chapter, I found very interesting. Like the way that she imagined this movie star character would be styled. Mm. Um, Yeah, fascinating. I also, I only saw Somewhere and The Beguiled once each. And they really they really deserve a rewatch, but they're not fucking streaming anywhere. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. Cause I, I, uh, I've seen somewhere twice. I only saw the beguiled once at festival and I loved it. I thought it was so funny. I remember not loving it, but I was so excited about it. And then of course, um, her basically excising a slave character from the original novel, which she kind of talks about in this book of the reasons mm-hmm. why she did it. Also it was set in, the plantation that Martha Coolidge used to live on that was then used by Beyonce. Jennifer. (laughs) Jennifer Coolidge. So sorry, not Martha Coolidge. Who's Martha Coolidge? Martha Coolidge is a really cool, like, filmmaker, artist. Of course. Yeah, anyway, um, Jennifer Coolidge. So sorry to her, um, a queen. But that aside, I I need to see that again. Mm. I would love to watch Somewhere Again. And one of my favourite bits in this book, because she has collected... She kept everything, and I love that about her. Same. I love a filmmaker, an artist. Little magpie. Truly keeps their clippings. Uh, I love it. And uh, there's a photo of the Playboy bunnies that come over, and they're, like, on the stripper pole um, for Stephen Dorff. And she's written, like, these two girls were so cute and sweet, basically. (laughs) They would come over from the Playboy mansion to shoot. And, like, imagine what crazy things happen there, basically. (laughs) I really loved all of her little asides throughout the book. Um, And she's so straightforward about everything. I also really enjoyed that she shared her, like, visual inspirations for things and how... When she approaches a new work, she will, like, her choices are interesting, like, but they're not kind of connected to something obvious. Like, Mm. in the chapter on on the rocks, which I haven't said, uh, she uses, she's got images from Breathless, like Jean-Luc Godard's Breathless, throughout this film that is, I believe, to be about a father and daughter. Mm -hmm. And she said that she was thinking a lot about it because it's a romance that's not corny, Mm. which is, well, she doesn't like being corny. She hates corniness. I don't like corniness. I don't like earnestness. Me and Sophia, we're different. But (laughs) um, yeah, I, I really enjoyed seeing all that and like, you know, these shots of Marie Antoinette and then like a Bow Wow Wow cover. Like, yeah, great. it's so yeah. great. She also talks about her dad in that On the Rocks, like little, she does, you know, the little 
preamble on each film before you just get into like visual ephemera. And she talks about like this man whose approach has kind of been expired culturally. You know, he, he kind of, he tries to charm waitresses and he, he tells stories that are kind of politically incorrect. And I thought that was just such a, the Bill Murray character in that film, although I didn't like the film very much at all, but it, the Bill Murray character, you know, he's, he has a certain kind of charm to him that it's really sweet to imagine Sophia writing that in the kind of spirit of her dad, who is like, so beloved, so respected, so renowned, but she's like, oh, this embarrassing guy who's like from another generation. <laughs> but I love him. But I love him. Um, one thing that she said about the bling ring I found really interesting, which is essentially that it's like the ugly film, you know? <laughs> yeah. It's, it's it's not her aesthetic. No, it's set in such an aesthetically troubling era of like, <laughs> yeah. you know, Y2K. skirts over jeans and like big handbags, big sunglasses, like, you know, it's everything that she's not. She's so restrained. She's labelless for the most part. You know, you know that she's wearing Marc Jacobs, her bestie and Chanel and the row and whatever else, but like you don't see any labels on Sophia Coppola. It's a big, if you know, you know, quiet luxury, etc. But like the bling ring was so labels, Hermes, you know, big giant sunglasses and also shot on, shot on digital, which was not her thing. And so she just really, worked so hard to make a film that looked not like her style, which is really funny. It worked. I loved The Bling Ring. Me too. I just thought it was great. And it was really unfairly criticised, I felt. Going through this book, I really loved how each film of hers, no matter, like, the critical or public reception of it, like, each one was given its own weight within the book. And mm. I do mean weight because it is a heavy book. But, like, it was – they were all equally – divided in yeah. the book and I really enjoyed that. Yeah, absolutely. There's you you mentioned before her references and there is one image that she posted on her Instagram recently. It's called Go with the Blue Ribbon by Joanne Callis and it's a photo from 1977, I believe. It's of like a white woman against like a patterned wallpaper and she's wearing like a beautiful frilly, you know, party dress and she's got this delicate blue ribbon tied around her neck. You don't see her face. She's she's looking upwards. And I look at that and I'm like, of course, this is so Sofia Coppola. It's like, it could be a reference for the Virgin Suicides or for Marie Antoinette or now for Priscilla, like this idea of like a woman doing all things right as far as femininity is concerned, but being like kind of, there's something really threatening about like that ribbon, like tied so tightly around, you know, the middle of her neck. It's really like strangled by femininity, which is like, so it looks like it would be on a Sofia Coppola fan Tumblr account, but it's actually (laughs) on her mood boards, which is like so real. Yeah. I love that. That is great. I love strangled by femininity. That is Sophia Coppola's films in quite a nutshell, really, yeah, isn't it? Yeah. We um, also get to see Jacob Elordi's handwriting in the book. Yeah, we do, yep, yep, she, yep. He writes a little thank you note at the end to, uh, you know, saying that she's one of the filmmakers he's wanted to work with since he was a teenager. And that handwriting betrays the fact that he is no longer a teenager because it looks like he's still at Nudgee College or St. Kevin's <laughs> College or whatever Australian <laughs> high school <laughs> you want to place him in. Oh, I loved that you got to see Elle Fanning's oh. uh, personalised stationery. So cute. Very good. I loved that. Very refined. We love Elle. We love Elle. Uh, yeah, look, the things that I don't like about this book, Yeah, I want another 
I love everything in the book, but I want another book that has the true ephemera. They're like yes. messier bits of Sophia's world that I grew up as like absolutely loving as a teenager, which is her label, Milk Fed. Mm-hmm. I'm so sad that I got rid of all those singlets. I don't know why or how I scour eBay for them. You're psycho for that. <laughs> yeah, uh, I really am. There's no mention of like the star in it, her short first short film. Yeah. Yeah, and I was surprised by that. Nothing pre ninety nine, I guess. Like putting well, yeah, that date so. on it. Yeah, like yeah. I, we really want to rewind and have a prequel. Yeah, I think maybe I want Sophia Coppola archive nineteen like ninety two to nineteen ninety eight because we want high octane in there. We want high octane. I also want the Spike Jones years. Yeah, I want those Spike Jones years. I want the more coverage of the X Girl runway, like outside the Mark Jacobs. I want that. I want that. We want the Chanel internship, maybe. Yes. Uh, we want it. Lick the Star, though, um, is available on YouTube or Daily Motion. There's like a million clips of it online. So if you are a Sophia fan, or even if you're, you know, new to her entire filmography, you must watch Lick the Star. 13 minute short that she made in the early 90s. And it's like so many of her kind of like touchstones of her later work are like evident there right from the start and including casting her relatives because it stars Robert Schwartzman who some of you might know as the Lily's hot brother from the princess diaries or (laughs) um, a member of the band Rooney who are on the OC. He is the son of Talia Shire who is Francis Ford Coppola's sister. Um, Nicholas, relative of the cages, you know, the family tree is, is broad. Jason Schwartzman's brother, etc. And he has directed a new film, Jinxie, that I'm dying to see called The Good Half, which stars randomly Nick Jonas, David Arquette and Elizabeth Shue. Hmm. Anyway, he was in Lick the Star, which is 90, 98. So, yeah, that's the year before the archive begins. And um, Imagine if you were like, I'm just going to make a film and I'm just going to cast, I don't know, I'll just cast my, like, cousins and shit. And it's like My Nicholas random Cage. cousin. Yeah. <laughs> and the cinematographer was uh, Lance Accord, which is a very uh, notable name if you, like me, were so obsessed with Spike Jones and Sofia Coppola uh, when you were a teenager. Mm-hmm. Um, he shot Being John Malkovich, an adaptation, Lost in Translation, Marie Antoinette, and Where the Wild Things Are. So they, like, shared him uh, <laughs> and time shared post-divorce. I've got a couple of the also's. Hit me. So number one is, if you haven't listened to it, you should go back and listen to episode 12, Horsepower is God, of a little podcast named See Also, which uh, is dedicated to her incredible show, High Octane. High Octane. Very cool. Uh, the other one is a good piece in the New York Times that came out uh, end of last year. And it's like picking out all of like the best times, the best little song moments in her films. And she has such good taste in music. It's yeah. perfect. Yeah. And the last one is something that's pretty new to me. It is, oh, it was on NPR in 2004. But it is an interview with Sophia, aged five, by her dad. What? The one and only Francis Ford. And he is prompting her to talk to herself as a big lady. Stop. And she talks about, like, what she thinks her future will be, basically. Oh, my God. It's really, really cute. It goes for, like, maybe six minutes or something. Anyway, we'll link those in the show notes. Okay, dying to listen to that. Okay, it's time for also-also's. My first one I'm very excited to share. 
the movie How to Blow Up a Pipeline is on Stan. Oh, that's cool. Turns out if you are a Patreon listener, you will have heard me rave about it in our paywalled favorite movies of 2023 and also books and TV shows uh, a few weeks ago. It's about a group of environmental activists who kind of come together to sabotage an oil pipeline uh it's right there in the title and it's like heisty it's twisty it's like very dramatic and it's like one of my favorite movies of last year obviously so i'm so happy that i can watch it again and that everyone i've recommended it to can finally see it oh, that's cool i want to rewatch that my first one is an also also for you that sadly I cannot involve myself in because mm-hmm. I will not be around. But uh, you know John Wilson, like How to with John Wilson, yeah, uh, great American show. He was asked uh, by Anthology Film Archives last year to put together some short film packages, essentially, and introduce them films that had influenced him with How To and also films that were made by people who, that he worked with on the show. Anyway, Antenna Documentary Film Festival in Sydney is uh, has picked up that John Wilson Selects program and oh. is bringing him over. So you can actually go and see him, I do believe, in Sydney uh, over the 11th and 12th of Feb playing these short films. I developed such a crush on John Wilson when I watched that show, which was only like two months ago. He's crushable. Maybe I gotta go to Sydney. Send eleven and twelve. Find myself a husband. Um my next one is a place to go have a little drink at the bar whenever you're ready, Jinxie. It's the Bijou <laughs> Bottle Store and Bar on Little Collins Street in the city. I had never heard of it, but some friends uh when we were desperate for a drink post the Caroline Polachek QA pre the Caroline Polachek concert, we slid on in and had some like gorgeous cocktails. Very yummy toasted sandwich, really gorge like charcuterie, but not just bread and cheese. Love, love, love. Can't wait to go back. Bijou Bottle Store. I love that place. So I've been good. there many times. It's like a good little jewel. Like you kind of forget about it and then you walk past and you're like, oh my God, yes. Oh yeah. Bijou in such a good corner of the city where a place like that is desperately needed. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, my next one is also drink related, but yeah, I'm on my like not really drinking bullshit, but it's a great soda. It's the white grapefruit mixed soda by Ordinary Soda, which is like a new local, like Australian soda company. I think Mm -hmm. they only do two. They do like a white grapefruit, a cola and a yuzu. Um, You can basically file this under cute can. That should be like a label on our highlights of all sources. (laughs) Anyway, it's just super delicious. And uh, you can get it from Morning Market in Melbourne. Oh my God. Hot tip. Love that. My last one is a recommendation of Casey Johnston's program for chicks like me who are learning to lift. Swole women. Swole women. Casey Johnston. Yeah. She's the author of the advice column, Ask a Swole Woman. Uh, She has a newsletter these days called She's a Beast uh, on Substack that you can subscribe to if you'd want the paid version. Um, But I am currently, as I mentioned at the top, learning to lift uh, or just improve my strength overall. And I'm following her 12 week program, which is called Lift Off Couch to Barbell. And And the way that she, you might be like, lifting's not for me, strength training is not for me, gyms are not for me. And to that I say, 
uh, Chica, I hear you. But I love the way that Casey kind of frames this uh, program, which is essentially, she says, strength is for everyone. No one has more to gain to it than people who have never tried it. And liftoff is all about making daily life never again feel as physically unmanageable as it does now. And it helps even the staunchest exercise haters learn to confidently go to a gym and build strength for our everyday lives. So it's not about becoming a bodybuilder. It's just about like hurting less and like being able to do more, which is all that I'm about this year. I'm co-signing BL. She's amazing. I'm also a subscriber to her newsletter. Uh, and there was a really great interview with her by Emily Gould. That's how I got, uh, you know, first heard of her. Yeah. Really cool. I'm so, I love this lifting. Yeah, I'm trying. I'm trying. It's great. My last one is a long read. I guess that's what we call them. Like, it's just something that you read and that doesn't take you two minutes. Just get over it. Uh, it's called When I Met the Pope by Patricia Lockwood. It was published by the London Review of Books back in November. And I read it back then and I'm still thinking about it and still sending it to people because I think it's really great. Um, Patricia Lockwood is a poet and she's an author. She wrote No One Is Talking About This. And this is such a good essay detailing a very surprising trip she had to the Vatican and it details like what she was what she knows about Catholicism not much and like what she's going to wear and what the Pope is like and what she's going to like worrying about how she greets the Pope and like who else is in the room it's really funny and excellent and um surprising and weird like all of her writing it's really great Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode. Don't forget about our live show. All the details are in the show notes and we're on Instagram at see also podcast. Uh, and if you want an ad free version of this episode, all the other episodes and some bonus stuff too, head over to patreon.com slash see also, and we'll see you there. Yeah. We've got another bonus episode coming up in a couple of weeks. I uh, thank you as ever to Samuel Hodge for our imagery and Harvey Sutherland for our original theme of music. Bye. Bye. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com.
Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.